When you repeat a cycle over and over again, it's a choice you're making. You're choosing to remain in that cycle. So it's not a their problem anymore. It's you. Welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America, an immigrant human library, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. Listen in as we add another story to our immigrant human library. Welcome to part three of the previous episode. Yeah, my sister and I have had the conversation about how frugal we have tried to be with what we earn. And we, you know, we try to save, we try to do this and we buy the basic stuff because we're like, there's no point in spending this much money on buying a brand when you can buy something that's cleaner, that's Mm -hmm. of a different brand. You don't don't need to buy the brand. Why? And then that maybe free you up to have a a dollar to hand to someone else or to be charitable. Mm -hmm. But then they're calling you and asking you to buy the brand stuff that you're not even buying for yourself, which is just. It's crazy. That was the last conversation with this individual because I just thought, oh my God, this person doesn't get it. They just don't get it. Because right. if, if I went to someone's house and all they're eating is bread and water, but somehow they managed to send me roast chicken. Yes. I will feel bad. Yes. I will feel that bad. That they're making such a sacrifice, but it didn't click for her, obviously. It never clicked. It was almost like, oh, well, you know, she can do with basic stuff. Just keep sending the branded stuff. And I was like, no, child, we're finished here. We're done. So you can, so she can stay in whatever environment she is and show off or Mm -hmm. or pretend to be something to her friends or the Joneses, whoever she's Mm -hmm. trying to impress. Right? (laughs) Yeah. So it's just, you know, there's so many, so many stories that I could tell you. It's it's just, and because I come from a huge family as well. So it's like, once you block one, there's always another one coming up. There's another yes, and another one. And it got to a point, like I said, there was a point where I literally just like, everybody be gone. <laughs> be gone. No one knew where I was. No one knew my number. Anyone that I wanted to speak with, I will call them and they didn't see my number. Right. And you made an interesting point how you started getting labeled by the elders and other people because you're now putting in boundaries to protect yourself and your family and your energy and um, your sanity. And that's huge for people who want this. It's like sending you what they call change back messages. They want you to revert back to the person that you were, that they can just manipulate and get out of you, whatever they want. But the minute you start putting burn boundaries to say, no, this doesn't work for me. You know, this is costing my integrity, my personal integrity of who I need to be in the world. Hmm. Right. And then you get all these labels placed on you. And so you have to be a strong person to withstand all of that in order for you to cross and get to the place that you need to be health wise, you know, but it's not easy. It's and not- a lot of immigrants struggle with that. Oh, they I- revert back to just continuing the same behavior just so they can please or keep some people happy. I have friends who I had to say to them, if we're going to continue being friends, you, you need to put boundaries in place with your family because I can't keep listening to the same drama again and again it's not helping me because she comes crying 
And I said, well, I can't help you. And I can't keep telling you this is what you need to do. But I can't. This I can't. And I said, okay, you need to stop talking to me about this. Yes. I don't want to know. And I know that sounds horrible, but I said, no, if we're going to continue to be friends, I need you to respect my boundaries. I don't want to hear about this anymore because I've done this. And yes, it's worked for me. You need to be strong. It, you know, it, it's like sticking your finger in the fire and saying it's burning me. It's removing. There is a point where eventually people just get tired. You just get, you either get tired or you're enslaved to them forever. Mm. And it won't matter how much you do or how much you give. They will keep coming back. And the sad part about it is when you encounter people who are just so enslaved to the expectations and that type of behavior, they work two, three jobs when they're like here in the U.S. or in the U.K. just to keep up their own life plus everybody else's life that they need to support or keep sending. And some of them eventually get sick and they never really enjoy themselves or or their lives, you know? It's so sad. I was doing three jobs at one point, going to college at the same time. And it's just... Three jobs while you were in college? Yeah. It's like, you know, weekends, uh, if someone's having a party somewhere and they need people to serve, I'm like, yep, I'm in. Let's go. Uh, I will work uh, what's equivalent to your CVS, you know, in, in the UK. I work there, you know, maybe days that I'm not at college, I take some hours there. And then week, some weekends, you know, I would work as well. It was nonstop. Everything Every little job that I could get just because I'm, can you imagine that? You're working for somebody else. Hmm. You're working for somebody else. And a lot of times they're not appreciative of the effort and sacrifice, that level of sacrifice that you're making. That's the sad part about it. I think also some of these people that can't seem to put boundaries in place and stick to them, there's this feeling of being wanted you know some people like to be the savior savior. yeah it's like codependency it's codependency yeah my listeners look up the term codependency there's a book several books out there one's called boundaries by townsend and cloud another one that i just came across here recently called set boundaries find peace by Um, Her name is Nidra Glover Tawab, T-A-W-W-A-B. Set boundaries, find peace. If you are not aware of it, educate yourself. Go to the library, find the books, read, and then slowly make different changes to protect your peace. There is nothing wrong with being charitable, but there is a way to do it where you don't sacrifice your own Mm self-care and your, your mindset and you can't be at peace and you let people take advantage of you. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. But there are some people that like that savior complex. They like being seen as the one that is saving everybody. If you have a savior complex, you will give up your right leg just so to be seen as you are saving. You you know, (sighs) 
yeah, it, it, there are some people that have that complex. Um, this friend of mine, she was like that, just wallowing. She loved to wallow in it. And I just went, no, no, you want to play savior? Then don't bring your burdens to me. I don't want to hear. I can talk to you about how to improve yourself, how to be better, how to be more self-aware, build your self-esteem, your confidence. I can help you with that. But if you keep coming to me week in, week out, we're having the same conversation year in, year out. They're not the problem anymore. You are. Yeah. Yeah. You are. Because when you repeat a cycle over and over again, it's a choice you're making. You're choosing to remain in that cycle. So it's not a their problem anymore. It's you. When do you wake up? When do you hit rock bottom? That's one thing I don't want. I'm like, no. I say to my children, I went, listen, I didn't put anybody else's mother in hospital for me. I don't want someone else's child to put me in hospital. Because if I'm working so hard to cater for them, I went, you won't have a mother. So why would I want to do that? Yeah, I want to be right. here yeah. for my children. You know, yeah. I really tell them, I want to be here. I want to be well. I want to run around. I want to tell your children stories about you. You know, I want to be that grandma that is so active in their grandchildren's lives. And when if I allow my family to run me down, there'll be nothing of me because you allow it, they will take everything you have. And then they'll just bury you and move to the That's next it. person. That's it. You'll be like, next. Uh, we're sorry for your loss. Okay, moving on. And if you're not careful, then that becomes now. It's like, well, your mother is gone. You can take over. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Hence, I've kept my children away from that part of things. Very good. Very good. I, I educate them on the part of the culture that I want them to, to know about. And but the other parts that I push against, I prevent them from it as best I can. I'm so glad that we've had this part of the conversation. I didn't really expect it going down this road, but it's such an important conversation to have to educate people who are living abroad and have others who they're wanting to support or wish for them to be supported by the person abroad. But it can be such a dynamic to manage and setting boundaries and the cultural burden of it, that expectation. If you ever try to break away from that, it can be difficult. So there are people people in mental, you know, I don't know about America, but I know in the UK, there's more ethnic minorities in mental institutions. Why is that? Because obviously there's all sorts of other reasons as well. But then there's also the pressure, you know, that is put on us to provide. It, it takes a toll on some people. And yes. Then, yeah. You know, and then and then back home, guess what? They're not they're not saying nice things about this person that is now in the mental institution. Now yes, that's told, true. Oh, uh, maybe they did drugs. No. Have you ever thought that maybe you put too much pressure on them? Mm-hmm. You know, I have a friend, she is Brazilian. She left Brazil and she never wanted contact with her family until she was getting married and her fiancé back then thought it would be a good idea, something sweet, to dig out her relatives. 
let's just say that wedding didn't happen. <laughs> she was mm -hmm. like, I told you I don't want anything to do with them. And he couldn't understand coming from a very tight knit family. Why would you not want your family here? Mm -hmm. And she was like, I just don't, I don't want them to know where I'm at. So now they've got your number. They're going to keep calling. She had to like postpone the wedding to another time. And it was like, this is not happening because now they're going to keep bugging. And now they know where you, where I am. It's like, it's all coming back again. I'm sure there's trauma there. You mentioned the whole kind of shaming and guilt and uh, public shaming and all of that. If you don't do what they want you to do and it's, that's a much longer conversation, but I want to keep sense of time. How have you been received in Germany? I know we've talked on the side about your daughter getting it, you know, going from a private school into a public school and some of the experiences that you've had in moving her from public school and, and some questions that she was asked. I wonder if you can share a bit about that as to, you know, what is the black experience as we move around the world to other countries where people might not be aware or have experienced the black people in general or people from, from the African diaspora? Like, how have you been received in Germany, in the UK? Like, what was that like? I mean, in in the UK, I guess I was much younger, so it was easier for me to assimilate into the culture a lot quicker. Uh, I'm a fast learner. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier in school, where I had to learn very quickly, you look at people in the eyes when you're talking. You make eye contact when you're talking to them, unlike back home where you don't do that. So I had to learn very quickly. And those friends in school that didn't pick that up quickly enough, yeah, it wasn't easy for them. But I was just one of those that, because obviously I've moved from home to home, you know, now to another country. I guess I'm so used to... I can adapt a lot quicker than maybe my some of my siblings in different environments because I've moved so many times that it's like second nature for me. So when I move somewhere, it's like my senses, I'm like, okay, you know, I could be in a room and I can tell body language or contact or what people are saying, I'm like, that's a friend, that's a foe. I know my therapist said, that's you being hypervigilant. <laughs> I can source that out very quickly because as a young child, I had to learn very quickly how to make friends, yeah. how to be likable very quickly. It's now a part of me, but I'm working through not being so hypervigilant of who's a friend, who's a foe. When I've moved, you know, obviously from the UK to Germany, I listen when people speak to me. I listen to what you're saying. I watch your body language. You know, you know, that gut instinct test. I do yeah. that test with people. And truthfully, I've had more good people my way since moving to Germany. And also I think that has a lot to do with my mindset because whenever I have moved, even as a young child, I would say to myself, I used to pray wherever I'm going to next, please God, mm -hmm. let me meet good people. That's what I always pray for. And when I moved to Germany, 
That was my daily prayer. Every time we stepped out the door, if I'm going to um, inquire about anything or need assistance with anything, every day, whenever I had to step out, every day, I would just say, Lord, please put good people my way. Please, Lord, put good people my daughter's way. And that's what happened. Because I wanted good, I saw good. And I guess... You know, yes, there have been the odd occasions, you know, where people might make a comment. But then the good thing is I'm with these people who I don't even have to say anything. You know, they're the ones that will tell you about yourself and what you just said. You know, so I don't even have to do that. There were people when I needed to buy a car, I had a friend, she was like, oh, okay, you don't speak the language, you're visibly not from here, you're a woman, you got three strikes, you're a low-hanging fruit, you go anywhere to buy anything, they're going to rinse you. Rinse in English basically is, you know, they're going to just take everything they can. So she said to me, look at what you want. I'll get my husband to call them and negotiate for you. There was a particular car I wanted, and they said this much. I went to see the car. The guy went, yeah, this is all he's going to accept. I asked, does he have this, this, this? He said, yes. My friend's husband calls. It's a whole different story. There are certain things the car didn't have, and this guy said to me, yes, he did. And he went, and then when my friend's husband then challenged him and called him, I said, but... Oh, my friend, because he said, stay in the car while he goes to do this investigation. And then he calls me and he went, but you told her it had. And he goes, no, no, maybe she got lost in translation. I had people who looked out for me in such ways since moving here and for my daughter too. I came here with good intentions. All I want is for my daughter to learn. And I asked for good people. And that's what I've had. I saw good and I received good. So, yes, it may seem strange. People be like, oh, Germany. I get when people ask me, you live in Germany? I know what they're implying with that question. You're black. You're a woman. You live in Germany. You don't speak the language. It's like all sorts of chaos is going off in their heads. And I'm like, I know. I know what you mean. It could be that challenging but I've been lucky. But then I've been lucky because I approach people with pure intentions. And I think it's clear when your heart is pure, people can see that. People can feel that. There will be people who want to take advantage, but then there'll be people who will step in. And I've had those. I move with intention and with a pure heart. I'm not looking at someone who's got something and plotting on how, you know, I can have that and how it's not going to work out for them. No, I'm not thinking evil for anybody. My prayer is, God, you know my heart. Please help me to achieve what I'm here for. Help my daughter to achieve what she's here for. And that's my prayer every day. I'm not the most prayerful person. I don't go to church every Sunday. But my prayer every day before I even get out of my bed is, Lord, wherever we go today, let us meet good people. That's it. 
That's my prayer. And that's what I've received. When we moved here, my neighbor, I actually thought she was an estate agent. You know, she was a realtor. She wasn't. She lives in the apartment above me. You know, she was like, right, um, schools. Okay, she gave me a list of schools, links to them, contact telephone numbers. I was like, she was doing everything, you know? And she's like, oh, you need this for transport. You need this. If you want to get this, you go here. And when we moved here, she took me around the city, you know, for a tour. And then I asked her, I went, oh, do you work for the, um, t- for the real, you know, real estate, uh, estate agent? And she said, no. I went, okay. Did they pay you? for all the stuff you've done for me. She said, no, of course not. She went, I don't work for them. I went, but you did so much for me and my daughter. And she went, you know what? People did the same for me when I moved here. So I'm passing it on. And normally when things like that happen to people, it means you must have done the same for somebody else somewhere else. And this is your payback. Mm. You know, and I was like, whoa, stop. And she went, yeah, that's how I look at it. And that's how I feel too. I, you know, I say to people, be mindful how you treat people. I try to be kind to people. I try to be helpful to people. Not for what they can do in return for me, but for what they can do for what someone else can do for my children should they ever need help. Because you won't always be with your children 24-7. But if heaven forbid, you know, my child was ever in, any of my children was ever in any situation and they needed somebody to come to their aid, somebody will come to their aid because the universe pays good people back. Mm. It may not be directly, but it does mm. pay back. That much I can say. I mean, some if you're religious, call it faith, call it God, call it whatever. But I know for sure, if you're a good person, the good may not come directly back to you. It may not even come from the person you did the good for. It may be directed somewhere else. So when my son tells me, oh, he went here and and this person did this and did that, I smile because I'm like, thank you, universe. Thank you. This is why I do what I do so that my children, if ever they need help, somebody will step in because I will always be there. I don't want when I do something for somebody for you to pay me back. I don't. Pay back to somebody else. Be good to somebody else. Be kind to somebody else. You don't have to repay me because I don't want that. My kindness is me like depositing good in the bank, you know, for my children and for my loved ones. So that if they ever need help, the universe will look and go, she's deposited enough in here. We can take some out, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's how I look at it. That's how I look at it. You know, because, I mean, someone that I've never met in my life, never knew him years ago. I mean, my father died over 40 odd years ago, okay? And this person met me 
and they were so nice to me, kind to me, and I was just, I don't even know you. And they were like, oh, you don't, but I remember your father. When I was younger and I was at school and I couldn't, my father couldn't pay my school fees, your dad stepped in and paid for me to go back to school. I was like, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't even know this person. You know, my father died when I was about four or five years old. So I didn't know any of these things. Anyway, wow. yes. So when people are being good to you, someone's put something in the good and kind bank. They've deposited kindness that the universe takes and uses other people to show you that kindness. So that's why I try to be kind and I try to be, you know, to be helpful and help other people, not for myself, but so that wherever my children go, they will always find favor. I'm wondering for people considering moving abroad or they might be already living in an adopted country, what advice do you have for immigrants who are trying to make it in a culture that is different from the one in which they were born or raised or from, from which their parents were born and raised? Um, they might have a different culture at home. What advice might you have for people to survive, to thrive, to be successful? I would say um, learn to adapt. Change is good. Because a lot of the time people feel, oh, I, you know, adapting means adapting to the culture of, you know, the country you're in might to some people, it's like, oh, that means they're forgetting about their, their culture. No, it doesn't. I still eat. In Germany, I still make, this is a very typical Nigerian dish, pounded yam. I make pounded yam in Germany, okay? I will go and find the smallest African shop that I can find, okay? Whatever produce they have here, it's not exactly the same as I would have them back home. I will adapt the recipe with what they have here so I can still have some semblance of my culture. Does that stop me from being Nigerian? Because now I'm adapting my cultural dish to suit because I can't get, do I stop eating certain dishes just because I can't get the produce here? No, you adapt and your culture will always be in you. Just learn to adapt, be, be more open-minded. Try and see good in people. Try and see good in your environment. The energy you put out is what's going to come back to you. If all you think is negative, be rest assured, that's all you're going to see and that's all that's going to keep coming back to you. Try and see good. Try and imagine why you're here, why you made that move. I always paint a picture in my head of what I expect my move to look like. What, what, what does the destination look like? The journey there may be a little bit up and down and sideways and what have you, but the destination, that picture in my head is what pulls me from all the challenges that may come my way in my new environment. That picture, pulls me towards it. That's what I'm here for. 
I didn't come here to, to pick fights with anybody. I didn't come here to compare myself with anybody. I'm here for a reason. And the reason is my child. And I need to stay focused on that. A lot of the time people come and then they start, when they move, they see other people and start comparing themselves. I'm not comparing myself with nobody. So focus on you, focus on your lane, stay in your lane if you have to, but learn to adapt, be open to other ways of thinking and other ways of doing things. In the UK, you know, there are black hairdressers everywhere, every corner, you know, in London, obviously living in London in particular. I moved to Germany, I've got 4C hair and I have a lot of it, a lot, (laughs) okay? I had to start doing my own hair. There was like in the city we lived in, there was only two black hairdressers and I wouldn't trust these women with my hair. (laughs) Based on what I saw them rocking on their heads, I'm like, no, you cannot touch. Because you go to a hairdresser and they go, is that your hair? I'm like, oh boy. If you couldn't even tell that was my hair, we're not touching my hair. But I had to adapt. I learned how to braid. You know, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. I could have moaned about it. Like, oh my God, I got no one to do my hair. I can't find this hair product. I can't find that hair product. You adapt. And that will make your life a little bit easier. Just be a bit more friendly. I mean, the the lady, the friend that I said her husband called the car company for me, I met her when I went to the museum, okay? She worked at the museum, and I just went there an afternoon. I dropped my daughter off at her friend's. She had a play date, and I just thought, oh, there's a museum there. Let's go see what they got. I walked in, this lady was there, and I said, oh, do you have some information? And she was like, yeah, we just, that's it. We just got talking. Where are you from, London? Oh, yeah, I've been to the UK. Oh, bah, bah, that's it. We start talking. And the next thing she was like, do you know what? You haven't been anywhere yet? Okay, I'll show you around the city. I'll show you this. Have you done this? No. Have you done that? No. She was like, don't worry. What are you doing this weekend? Just like that. That's how we became friends. That's because I believe I allowed myself to be vulnerable. That's another thing as well. I allowed myself to be vulnerable, to let people know, I don't know this. I'm not familiar with this. Can you help me? That was something I used to struggle with once upon a time, letting people know what I couldn't do. I wanted people to know I was it. I had everything. I was not afraid to let people know that I couldn't do, I I didn't know, I didn't know how, I didn't know where to get certain things or how to obtain, you know, certain services. And this person came along and they were like, oh my God, I'll do this, I'll take you here. Uh, Do you want, seriously, she did that. And then in my daughter's school as well, where some of the parents were like, some of the moms were like, oh, um, is it okay if Rosalind comes to play? Is it okay for this? They took my daughter camping. I've never gone camping in my life, okay? My daughter's been camping so many times. They've taken her ice skating. They've taken her on, like, family vacation. Wow. Without asking me for anything. They were just like, oh, she hasn't done this. We want to show her. Do you know what I mean? It's a bit like what I would do in the UK for people that just arrived. I show them around, 
show them what's what, what they should do, what they shouldn't do, you know, help them to fill forms, help them with interview questions, how to answer inter certain questions at interview, you know, help them with a CV, resume to you Americans. Those are the sort of things I would do for other people in the UK that are new to the UK. So now I'm in a foreign country and there are people doing that for me. Yeah, when my neighbor said, I am almost certain that you've done this, what I'm doing for you, you've done it for other people. You don't have to tell me, I can just tell because the energy I got from you was just so positive, I couldn't but help you. So keep an open mind. Not everybody is out to get you. There are times when you will have to push back. Just because you're an immigrant doesn't mean you, you know, a lot of the time, immigrants, you know, they, they're too scared. They're afraid of pushing back. Don't be afraid to do that. I have a friend who was in a situation, but she was too afraid to call the police because she thought they may deport her. Don't be afraid to push back. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I used to also volunteer for the Refugee Council when I was in London. And people coming into the country, I would help to guide them through the system. And, you know, you have people coming from Syria that probably was uh, a teacher, uh, an educator, or even a doctor. But you can't practice medicine in the UK, you know, from certain countries. You have to go through test and, you know, through the system before you can get back on top. You have to start from somewhere else, um, from less than what you were used to in your country. People need to understand that. Just because you were a university professor in your country, you can't just go to England or America and just be like, yep, that's it. I've arrived. I want the role of a chief executive or the role of a university professor. Mm, or a doctor. doesn't quite work like that. So, you know, people need to be open-minded that you may need to start from the bottom sometimes. But be very focused on your goal. There are people who start off like, this is my goal, and they get derailed along the way. And, you know, I just say, stay focused. It's hard to when you have family back home pulling you, and you probably have your own family pulling you, you know, and a system that sometimes seems like it's against you, stay focused. You know, stay focused, be intentional, and be clear on what your goals are. Be very clear on what your goals are. Because there will be times of uncertainty. If you're not clear on your goals, you will lose track. But most importantly, don't be afraid to ask for help. There are things in place. There are systems in place. There are organizations in place that are there to help you. Don't be afraid to ask. I was victim to not asking. So I advocate for people to ask. Just ask. That's all that I can give to anyone moving to a new country. And so I wanted to close things out then by talking about your own personal professional services and how can people connect with you if they want to do business, if they want to consult with you, 
and so forth. How do they find you? Do you have a website? Are you on social media? Go ahead and, and share that now. Okay. My coaching business, I do have a website. You can find me at www.stellaliban.com. Pretty simple. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn, hence our paths crossed. My DM is always open for anyone who wants to have a chat, anyone who's unsure of how to, you know, move to the next level, be it in their personal lives or in their businesses. I'm more than happy to have a conversation. Um, Obviously, I'm also an executive headhunter, so I work in the recruitment industry. And if you own a small business or even a large business and um, you're looking to recruit to roles in your organization, I am more than happy to have a conversation also. Um, We can discuss what your business needs are and the sort of candidates that uh, will be suitable for your business needs. And uh, yeah, and of course, I think I'm on all socials as well, but I'm not really active on the others. Um, I've got a page on Facebook. Again, it's just Stella Liban, really. And um, But mainly you'll find me on LinkedIn or via my website at www.stellaliban.com. And um, there's a list of all the services that I provide on my website. Very well, Stella. This has been a riveting conversation. I thank you so much for sharing so frankly, so deeply from the heart and being wise about how you shared things to make sure that the positive messages come through to people on their immigrant journey. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I really, really have enjoyed this conversation. And I hope anyone listening out there that want to embark on a journey away from their homeland will find joy at their next destination. We thank our listeners around the world and we appreciate your continued support as we build our human library. Please remember to give us a five-star review, subscribe, and share with your friends, family, and circle of influence.